Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. You know, a lot of people in the Puget Sound area find themselves in crisis and homeless with few or no opportunities to find a stable life. Joining me today are some folks dedicated to helping people out of those crises. Denny Hancock, founder, and Kimberly Jackson, acting director of local nonprofit Mama's Hands and House of Hope. Denny and Kimberly, welcome and thanks for coming. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We're glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here because I want people to hear about Mama's Hands and House of Hope. Mama's Hands, uh, a, kind of a small nonprofit, I'll say, only because a lot of people haven't really heard of you. Mm-hmm. But you guys have been downtown for quite a few years, right, Denny? Yeah, 20-some, 20 20, right? Yeah, 27, going on 28. And, yeah, we've seen a lot of changes over the years on the streets. Yeah, uh, I'll bet. So in the early 90s, uh, I don't know, things were a little different around here, the whole Pacific Northwest, but we can get into some specifics about yeah. the crises of homelessness and what how people, you know, how poverty has uh, manifested itself in different ways. But uh, I also want to talk about Mama's Hand. So as a nonprofit and, a, and an organization, I mean, what were you doing <laughs> the, before that, they said, okay, I guess I have to start a nonprofit, right? You've, you're the founder. we got to hear your story. I guess, there, is okay. there a why or a how? Yeah, or a... yeah I was actually, um, my wife and I, we have five kids. And so I was struggling to make a living laying carpet and selling carpet. And, and things were getting pretty tight and uh, had the opportunity to kind of get out of debt. And I was excited about this big job that I was going to do that was going to change my life. And and I got in way over my head, and I ended up losing more money than I'd ever made in a year. I lost in just three months. And um, I have an amazing, <laughs> sorry, I have an amazing wife <laughs> and family who who didn't judge me. They knew I was doing my best. And th- in the middle of all this, I I was carpeting this beautiful yacht in downtown Seattle, and um, for lunch I would run over to this little cafe called the County Line Cafe, and while I was in there one lunchtime, a couple of homeless people walked in, and my first reaction was, I don't really necessarily want those guys to sit right by me, and but I always try to be a nice guy, and so they ended up sitting right by me, and I figured I'm going to make the best of it, and I started talking to him, and I, I realized, wow, this guy is not much different than me. I'm not sure why he's homeless, but I kind of like this guy, and, and he, he got up to use the phone, and I started talking to the other man, and he didn't reply, and I looked closer. I could tell that he was blind, and he started shaking, and he fell down to the ground in a seizure, and I'd never seen anything like that, and, and I thought, this guy is dying. I didn't know what was going on, so I I called for his friend, and his friend hurried back, and he knelt down beside this man and, and kind of comforted him. And, and after a minute or so, he looked up at me, and he said, um, please don't feel sorry for, for us. He said, this is my son. And he, he's been like this since he was a small boy. He had an accident and a brain injury. And, uh, and he said, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but this boy is perfect. He's an angel, and his soul's in heaven already, and someday he's going to take me there with him. And then these men walked out without having anything to eat, and I thought, I, I had a love for these men that I had never felt outside of my own family. And, 
And I thought, I need to do something with this. And I, I write music. I just figured I'm not going to lay carpet anymore today. And I went home and I wrote a song about it. And a friend of mine heard that song and said, Denny, this is what you need to do. And he made a list of 10 or 12 things. And I thought, I can do that right now. And I went home and told Leslie, my wife, and she said, let's do it. And I took one of my big trucks. It was a bluebell potato chip truck. And I figured I'm going to make a kitchen out of this. I'm going to go change the world. And I made a mobile kitchen. And I went started working on the streets. And so that's, that's an awesome story, uh, especially because it only took you a few minutes of talking and meeting someone that, you know, a homeless guy that is a stranger and that, like you said, at first, eh, we're kind of afraid to talk to these people and look them in the eye and, and hear anything about them. But once you did, just, <laughs> yeah, then you, you, like you said, this guy's just like me. This is a regular guy. I don't know how he got homeless, but wow. Uh, that part of it's amazing. And then, so you took some steps. So is that what you did for a while? Just started feeding people? Yeah. said, I can go feed some people. And and then you, you sort of moved that on. But what, how long did you guys do that before you more formalized it and said, okay, well, let's set up yep. a, a nonprofit and get this going? And It happened really quickly yeah? because um, my kids wanted to go with me, which I thought, this is great. And they brought their friends. And so all of a sudden I had this truck that I made into it like a bus. When I think of that bench I put in there and having like 20 and 25 kids sitting in a bench and <laughs> kind of scary, but. But we were, we had a guardian angel and nothing ever happened with that cool old bus. But we, um, we, we kept going just out on the streets with these youth. And it so happened that um, I had my, uh, my cell phone. Back then, cell phones were expensive and I mean, they, and they, uh, they cost a lot to use them. They cost, but I needed to have some kind of way to communicate with my work. And so, I was on the street and one of the men asked me um, if he could use my phone and I thought, okay. <laughs> That's right, because if I can interrupt for the audience's sake, yeah, yeah it used to cost you <laughs> dollars yeah. to make and receive phone calls in right. those days, you didn't, right? You didn't use the phone unless you had yeah. to. And, and so he said, I'd like to call my mom and it ended up his mom lived on the other side of the world and over in Florida somewhere and, and I figured I need to let this man use it. So I let him use the phone and to hear him talk to his mom, who he hadn't talked to in years, um, and to see his face, and, and, and somebody else, one of the other homeless men saw him and asked if he could use it after him. And it turned out at about 25 or 30 of them used that phone that night. And that's, that's all the kids could talk about on the way home, is how this homeless guy talked to his brother or his dad or mom, and, and how to everybody that night on the way home, they saw them as um, brothers and sisters and uh, people, not just homeless people. And, and I went home and I told my wife, you know, we've been out, it's only a couple months, we've been out feeding, but tonight we did something different and it was wonderful. And I feel like if we can keep doing this, I think we can change the world. And, and Leslie, she goes, well, let's pray about it. And, and if, it, if it's meant to be, we'll figure something out. And at the same time, we're really struggling financially. And so that next morning, very, very early, at around 6 or 6.30, the phone rang and kind of startled me. I answered it. And it was a man who happened to be um, the vice chairman of AT&T Wireless. And he said my, back then it was McCaw Cellular. Uh-huh. And he said, my son was on your 
truck last night, and uh, who's supplying the phone for you? And I said, well, actually, that's just my carpet guy phone. And he said, that's kind of what I thought. I've got four phones for you available um, with airtime. And uh, he said, go see Anita Lambert. I remember her name down uh, in Seattle, and she gave me the four phones, free airtime. And since then, we've been able to send over 1,300 people home to their families just because they got reconnected with their families. That is, that's an awesome uh, thing to do. I mean, so and you call this program Phone Home now, right? That's our Phone Home program. I mean, that that is so, again, you're making the connection with this person as you're just a regular person. You have a family. It's not an isolated yeah someone else a homeless guy this is a like you said this is someone's brother someone's yeah. son someone's father someone's mother someone's sister and to hear them make that phone call why again like you said yeah, it's life-changing wonder, it's we're doing something different this time how wow I, I don't know where to go with that i mean there's so many <laughs> possibilities about that how did then you decide well this really does help people yeah um so you had different expectations i guess as you started and then you sort of You've recalibrated as you got into this, right? Yeah. Well, we we got some help and um, some wonderful, uh, many wonderful volunteers and and financial help to keep it going. And and there was a point where um, I I realized we're not seeing a lot of women and children. The women that we do see are so they they are struggling so much, and I was I felt so good to be able to help them, but where are all these women and children that I keep hearing about? And, I, and so I did some investigating, and I found them in the shelters, and I felt good that they had a, a warm place, a, a cover over their heads. And, but then I thought, um, having five kids of my own, I can't imagine trying to raise a child in this atmosphere. And I went to my wife again and said, um, what if we were able to buy a home and give... <laughs> Sorry, sorry. No, don't apologize for doing wonderful things. So anyway, sorry, I'm going to get my head together right now and be the tough guy that I <laughs> that you obviously see in front of you. And, and so I um, I said I I want us to be able to do that. And she said the same thing. She said, "Let's see if we can do it." And and at the same time, we were having we were losing our house. And it's, it's interesting because I would have thought I would have been ready to drive off a cliff, but I, but I wasn't. I was okay. You know, we made some mistakes financially, and or I did, and we're going to go live with <laughs> my wife's mom, who I loved, and I figured this is going to be okay. And none of the kids were upset, and they just were excited about this new venture, you know, moving in with Leslie's mom and but at the same time, I'm looking for a house to buy, <laughs> yeah. and we had no money. But I found this house, this beautiful place that was for sale, and I went up to the door, and I knocked on it and asked the lady if I could look at it. And, and after about 10 or 15 minutes, her name was Gladys. I said, Gladys, I love your home. I have no money. I have poor credit. But this is what I would do if I could. And Gladys started crying, <laughs> and she said, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this work for you. And, and her husband started crying, too, and said, like, get that guy out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but 
And he said, well, we need $45,000. And I said, I can get that. And so they gave me a month. And back then, $45,000 was a ton. I mean, still a ton yeah, of money. Well, it's <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, that's a long story. But a month came by, and literally two or three days before the deadline, somebody uh, called and said, what's going on and where are you with, with your fundraising? And I, I said, well, we've got 31000 And she said, well, I've got fourteen for you. And so went up and picked up the fourteen. So I had $45,000. <laughs> And I went and gave it to Gladys, and Fred was just shocked. <laughs> <laughs> and we still have that home. And, and since then, we've bought the adjacent five acres, then another five. So we have three beautiful homes on 15 acres. And this there. is used for as a women's and children's shelter for yeah. these women. Like you said, there's, there's just as many women, aren't I don't know what the statistics are on women homeless and versus men, well, there's, and it, but it's— there's just as many struggling. Women with children find a way to, you know, shelter their children. And, and so women with children have a better chance of getting back on their feet. And, and we're there for And here's Kimberly next to me who hasn't gotten to talk yet. But she's <laughs> the one because there's no way I could make that uh, work the way that she does. So you call this the House of Hope. Yeah. And I love that, that name for this uh, house. And so out in the suburbs or even beyond the suburbs, yeah. I guess. So, yeah. so it's a group home setting. Give us a once over then on, uh, I mean, I love the phone home part. And now I want to transition to the house of hope because this is just a beautiful part. Tell us about how this works and, and describe it if you can, I guess. Well, the house of hope was founded in 1994, as Denny said, um, serving on the streets, but not really seeing the women and children um, being visible due to safety issues. And it's surprising to know that the fastest growing population in, in homelessness are actually uh, families with young children under the age of five. And domestic violence is the leading cause of homelessness for women and children. Oh, so in, they will get out of a violent place without any place to go. That's right. And bam, you're homeless. That's right. So the women who um, call our program looking for a safe a safe shelter are sleeping in their cars. They're sleeping on park benches. They're um, you know, asking if they can stay in. Uh, churches or staying in the hospitals, the waiting room that's that's open 24-7. Um, but the House of Hope is a really unique and special program. It's it's an emergency shelter for women and children in crisis, but it's much more than that. As Denny said, it really operates as a home. So we have three beautiful homes on 15 acres of property, and families are referred to us from 211, the, the community information line, from hospital social workers, uh, pastors. We work with about 60 plus community service providers throughout King County. We have good collaborative relationships. Um, and they and they come to us broken and struggling and uh, scared, you know, frightened and, and not really knowing where to turn and what the next step is for them and their children. And um, it's a wonderful place because it truly functions as a home. Uh, families receive their own private bedroom and, and private bathroom, and then they share the common areas of the home communally. Um, but they cook together, they take parenting classes, they you know learn budgeting, they, they meet with a case manager on a regular basis. And we try to not only provide a safe and healthy um, resting spot for these families, but to provide wraparound services that equip them with the tools they need to be self-sufficient again. I'm glad you got to that because it, it sounds like, you know, a retreat at first, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but somebody has to retreat from that kind of world they've been in, that's but right. they've got to learn new skills to get back into that world. And that's really your, your ultimate goal, right? I mean, this must be rotating people come in and out and live there for a while and they figure things out. You, you help them with these services, right? It's not just a safe place to rest for that's a while. Right. You 
you give them some skills, right? That's I mean, right. you want to go over some of those in a little more detail? Just, and, just really quickly, what you said about um, people do come visit and volunteer, and, and, and the houses are beautiful, and they think, um, why would anybody ever want to leave here? But really, the, we help them to be... Uh, to realize that they can be independent and they become excited to to move out and be on their own, even if they have to go to a place that's not quite so beautiful for a while. They're excited about succeeding and, and um, being functional and being on their own. Well, I'm guessing that's where the word hope comes in because yeah. they've come off a place where, I mean, despair, I guess, is the opposite of hope, where they don't think I don't have a future. And if they get into a place like this, and then you tell them, you can have this on your own, <laughs> then they, like you said, I think you used the word excited. They get excited yeah. that, oh, my future is up. They do get excited. And so many times they'll be sitting in the office doing, uh, you know, counseling or case management with some of the families. And um, and they'll turn to me and they'll say, I'm really sorry, Kimberly. It's so beautiful here, but I want to be in my own home again. And I have to kind of laugh, but they're, you know, they're very serious. And I say, we don't take that in an offensive way at all. That's the point of coming here. We want you to be here. We want you to grow and gain the tools you need and we want you to be in your home again happy and healthy with your children so wow. um it's a it's a bit of a tough love principle uh-huh so I, are there criteria then for the women to come in and then things to follow before they then yes. you know yeah, we're, we're a low-barrier shelter, so we serve some of the hardest-to-place families. Um, of course, domestic violence is a, is a prevalent situation, but we take women right out of treatment uh, recovery programs. We've had women come um, re- released right from prison, um, and so we want to make the program as accessible as possible. But I also let the families know this is a place to come and work hard, and that hard work has to come from you. If you work hard, there's nothing that that we as a staff won't do to support you, but it's not a place to come and, and sit and, and kick back for a few months. And mm-hmm. I think they appreciate it, that and they respect that. Um, we try to provide them with all of the tools that they need, and that's through our relationships with our community partners because we are a very small organization. But we provide domestic violence support services, counseling, um, physical and mental health support. Um, most of the families are looking for employment, wanting to get back into the workforce. Um, so we do job readiness activities, um, schooling. Essentially, we sit down and we form a care plan with the mom um, and say, what goals do you want to accomplish in the next three months, in the next six months? And then we hit the ground running. A care plan. I like that. Um, we are talking this morning with Denny Hancock and Kimberly Jackson from Mama's Hands and House of Hope. I love the word hope showing up uh, over and over. And again, it's it's, it's a beautiful thing to, <laughs> to, to give people. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, so the children that are in this home, are there age ranges that, I mean, you got a kind of a pretty rural setting, right? I mean, are they schooled and yeah. how does all that work? Uh, well, the schools have been so good. Um, at when they know a child is living at the House of Hope, they know that they might need a little bit of more help. And so they get the attention they need. And so the I mean, community are, out there where this is is, is embracing. Been so wonderful. Even like the bus drivers, <laughs> they get to know the kids, and the kids love Mike, their bus driver <laughs> for that area. And um, it's just, it's truly, I mean, I had no idea when I found that home how wonderful the community was. And, and, you know, you talked about the struggle that you had financially to get this all going. How is Mama's Hands and the House of Hope supported and funded? I mean, do you have 
a regular source of income, or is it all donations? Mm-hmm. Is it volunteer? I mean, give well, people, yeah. uh, the listeners, an idea of how they can get involved or support this or, or what it all takes. It must take a lot of people. It's mostly individuals and families. And there's some businesses like Windermere just down the road from you um, gives us fifteen or 20000 every year. Um, they've been wonderful sponsor from the very beginning. And um, I'd hate to leave somebody out, but even like the local churches up there, the Lutheran Church and um, Methodist Church and the, the LDS Church, they've all um, helped financially and volunteer-wise. And But yeah, it takes a lot of money, and if I had a clue what kind of money it we would need, I probably wouldn't have had the nerve to, to well, start it. good you were ignorant of that <laughs> yeah, then, <I> yeah. <laughs> for the sake of that. How about um, if listeners are, uh, I can give something. How about physical things? Do you always need, I'm thinking if there's women and children, you must always we need, do. I don't know, diapers and wipes. We, oh, yeah. And, we I do. don't know, yeah. That's exactly. That's exactly right. We have a wonderful resident manager, uh, Claire, who coordinates in-kind donations. Um, we're always in need of just as you said, diapers, wipes, school supplies, um, bedding. When the families come into the program, um, we work uh, when they get into their own home again on outfitting their entire apartment with furnishings. So um, when we know we have a family ready to graduate, we like to put the word out there. And people are wonderful. They donate microwaves and coffee makers and beds. um, Because starting from scratch, I mean, that's that's got to be tough if you've you've decided, okay, you're ready for the world. Oh, I'm not really because I got nothing. I have nothing. That's right. Um, so if uh, your listeners want to get involved, we would love them to visit us at mamashands.org. That's M-A-M-M-A-S dot O-R-G. Or check us out on Facebook under Mama's Hands. Um, you can find more about volunteer opportunities, how to donate, um, how to uh, contribute financially. Uh, as Denny said, it's a, you know, it's a struggle. It's a struggle being a nonprofit in this day and age when the need is so great. Okay, Kimberly, i got to make you say that again because the listeners just went and got their pencil. And they said, oh, wait, she yeah. said that. I, didn't, I wasn't ready make, to write it she down. She did make a little mistake, so I'm going to give uh, her one did? more chance. Uh, oh, okay. you, you left the hands out. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh wait <laughs> Thank you. I'm, oh, I'm glad. I'm nervous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's mamashands.org. That's M A M-M-A-S-H-A-N-D-S dot O-R-G. Good job. Mama's Hands. All spelled out mama's, like M-A-M-M-A, mama's hands. I spelled it wrong one time, and I've had to spell it wrong for 27 years. Uh (laughs) That's right. And you're on Facebook. People can find you on Facebook That's right. We're active on Facebook. Um, We often post our donation needs as families are graduating, what, what we need to help provide them their new home. Um, yeah, so there's lots of ways to become involved. Our greatest need right now um, are transportation volunteers, volunteers who can come on site and play with the kids. Of course, we run a, a background check, um, but to free moms up as they meet with us for case management, as they're attending parenting sure, classes. Sure. It's hard to keep your eyes on the little one and still stay engaged with the programs you're supposed to be completing. So um, visit us. Um, and so let me ask also then about um yeah, I forgot where I was going to go with it. Oh, I know. So this time of year, uh, it's been colder, you know. It's, the mm-hmm. nights are longer. Uh, I kind of want to go back downtown to Seattle, and those folks uh, that you meet, uh, do you hand out gloves well, and yeah, warm socks, and can people donate things like that too? And yeah, Every week we have um, groups come out. You can look at our website and see what group's coming out tonight or this Wednesday. Um, but we oh, so have, you go out once a week, yeah, Wednesdays typically? Wednesday nights. And they bring um, hats and gloves and socks and coats and blankets. And, and I buy 100 hamburgers at, at the Dairy Queen. 
and he gives me a good deal on there. Paul at the Eastgate Dairy Queen. So if you're hungry for an ice cream, that's a good place to go. <laughs> and um, and so we bring the hamburgers are kind of like bait to get them close. And once they're close, we try to find out why they're homeless and and if they have uh, maybe somebody that they would like to talk to, we help them get in in touch with them. But but we bring. Um, Gloves and hamburgers, you don't have to call anybody to get them. You just need to show up. So um, someone listening just can say something as simple as, gee, in my office or in my lobby or at our church, I can put a barrel out and say, warm yeah. hats, please. And in a month, there might be 25 of them, and they can say, oh, I'm going to yeah. call Mama's Hands and, yeah. and get them over to you. Yeah. That, that That's people, pretty people easy to that, do, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't know how easy it is, but it's been great because people have done that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and I just love that. So the phone home, I, I don't know, and, and the House of Hope, this is kind of a question for both. Once you've seen this, the person at the beginning and then the person at the end, after they've talked, you've got to know them. And they said, you know, what? just call home and see how they feel, yeah. and maybe they want to help you. Or, or a few months into being at House of Hope, What's the change? I mean, are you able to put that in words for a for a radio audience about the before and after? It's kind of tough, I'll bet. You know, it's interesting. The people that we send home, I never see again. You know, we send them all around the, all across the country. Every once in a while, I'll get a call and say, "Do you remember me?" And I usually don't really remember him because maybe ten years ago, I said, "But I've got a family now, and this and that brings me a lot of joy." Um, and and we had a mother call. A, a few weeks after her son had come home and she was just weeping with joy. And she actually sent us $500 and she was not a wealthy lady. And That's sweet. Yeah, so, and and uh, the, le- the letter was just beautiful. <clears throat> and with uh, the House of Hope, it's, it's a little different and it's wonderful because we get to see the whole, um, really kind of the continuum of care of the family. So when they first come, um, we had a family who entered our program just before the holidays, a single mother with four children. Um, she came to the House of Hope as a result of severe domestic violence. Um, when her husband uh, attempted to kill her in front of her one-year-old, she realized, this is enough, I, I have to go, and she did. And I remember she sat in the office, um, and she looked at us with tears in her eyes, and she said, I, I don't know that I can do this. I'm, I'm, I'm broken. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can even be a good mom anymore. She just was so overwhelmed and we worked with her she really was phenomenal in turning in housing applications and you know attending her appointments and just about four weeks later which is much quicker most of the families are with us you know an average of of four to nine months as we help them address the issues that they have but um, just almost at the four week mark uh, we got the news that she got into uh, her own apartment and um, we were just thrilled and be able to sit with her and do that exit interview and and get feedback so we can improve the program for more families. She was a different woman. She was transformed. Um, you could just see the the weight that had come off of her shoulders. And um, she looked us dead in the eyes again. And this time she sobbed with tears of of joy and um, and thankfulness. And she just said, "I didn't think I could do it. And you guys held my hand and you said that you'd stand next to me and you told me I could do it. And I did." 
Um, and it's really wonderful with House of Hope, too, because we have an aftercare program. So when the families graduate, that's not the end. I always joke and say, you can't get rid of us that easily. <laughs> you know, um, but we follow them for up to a year once so they're in their own in home. So stay in touch that's and, right. and follow them. In that. That's right. We still continue to provide services. We Excellent. make sure they're adopted at the holidays. They're able to come back for, you know, any life skills classes or holiday parties that they'd like to attend. And we make sure that they're continued part of the of the House of Hope family. Yeah, that is wonderful. We, you know, we're going to run out of time here. I want to make sure uh, we ask about, is there a major point we left out either about Mama's Hands, Phone Home, or House of Hope, or something you like to say twice to make sure people here really get what we're talking about today? I'd like to stress uh, the great need for volunteers. Volunteers are really the heart and the backbone, uh, especially, uh, well, with both programs, right, Denny? Um, but at the House of Hope, one of our greatest needs that I forgot to mention earlier um, would be for translators. So, oh. you know, we're starting to get some families, um, you know, that uh, speak other languages, and we want to be able to fully serve them, too. So, you know, if you took Spanish in college or if you, you took another, you know, another language um, and you could come and volunteer a couple hours a week interpreting and translating documents, it's a huge help Great for us. Great use of someone's skill. And, and, I, and I would get in big trouble if I didn't mention that we always need money. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's... Um, it, it costs a lot of money. These to things operate with yeah. a lot of cash, yeah, yeah. But you're doing such great work. Yeah. Gosh, thank you guys so much for being thank here. You. We are out of thank time you. right now. Uh, we have been talking today with Denny Hancock. He's the founder of Mama's Hands, as well as Kimberly Jackson, the acting director at the House of Hope. Denny and Kimberly, thank you so much for coming in today and sharing with us. And a bigger thanks for all that Mama's Hands is doing for those in need in our community. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you, Gary. That was a wonderful opportunity. I am Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.